your Newcastle. Hi everybody, I've taken over. It's Councillor Peter Winnie-Bartz here hosting the Lord Mayor's Your Newcastle podcast. I am very excited to be here today to talk about something that I'm very passionate about, housing and homelessness and all the issues that we are dealing with and trying to assist with at the City of Newcastle. And I have my dear friend Michelle Faithful here with me today, who in her nine to five life works for Compass Housing. She is their events and community relations manager. And in her spare time, we all know that Michelle is a fundraising addict. <laughs> I think I've heard you refer to yourself as that previously. She is the organiser of Hunter Homeless Connect Day and sits on the management committee for Hunter Homeless Connect and obviously brings her very, very unique and informed perspective to this topic today. So welcome, Michelle. Good morning. Can you give us a little bit of a brief about yourself before we start? Well, yes, I guess I have obsessive compulsive fundraising fundraising disorder and that has transpired over the last 10 to 15 years here in this community. Yes, I do. I'm the community uh, events and community relations manager for Compass Housing which is a pretty busy job on its own. And part of my role at Compass is sponsored to coordinate the annual Hunter Homeless Connect Day event, which I've been doing for the past four or five years, um, give or take a few that we have been able to do nothing, or not necessarily nothing, but we haven't been able to hold the event. And yeah, other community, I guess, interactions over the years have been um, around bringing people together for causes and various events for charities that I'm passionate about. And also all of that led to your 2020 award for Citizen of the Year. I was very proud to be there that day and witness it. (laughs) So I guess what we're here to talk about today is what is being described as, you know, a tsunami of of need. Uh, In the Newcastle LGA, we talk about the fact that there are nearly 1,200 households on the social housing register waiting for social housing with an average wait time of between five and ten years. We know full well that housing stress is a thing. We now define that as, you know, 30% of your household income being spent on housing. Those pressures are increasing enormously due to job losses and rent hikes, lack of wage growth and what has happened in the last two years with COVID-19 has exacerbated this. Absolutely. And in my role at Compass, I'm not necessarily at the coalface like a lot of people in the sector are, but I hear, I talk to lots of people who are dealing with the face-to-face situations and in the last couple of years have, have just skyrocketed in terms of people seeking support. And it's a very real issue here in our community. And we talk about, you know, uh, social and affordable housing and the difference between the two. What we're seeing is the need obviously increase, but the demographic has changed dramatically in the Mm. last two years. Yeah, well, we all know that um, it's pretty widely known that domestic violence has been Violence has been one of the leading causes of homelessness in more recent times, but we are seeing a change in that with older women seeking support. Yeah, there's, and there's also a huge um, gap in support for young people experiencing yeah. in crisis. So I know I sit on the advisory board of Hunter Homeless Connect with you, and we know the anecdotally what we're hearing is families in distress COVID has exacerbated that. Yep. Food security, we've talked about before, is a huge issue. Yep. But homelessness itself, how do we change the perception around people at risk? Well, I think 
in years gone by, homelessness, I guess, pe- people's perception of homelessness was, you know, the visibility of people who are sleeping rough on the streets. And, you know, the, the statistics are difficult to come by when with censuses and all of those things that we do to, to try and get a gauge on, on, on those things. But realistically, that's probably about 7% of what you would class as people who are experiencing homelessness. So, the rest are in all sorts of situations in refuges and overcrowded boarding houses, couch surfing, sleeping in their cars. And I think that perception has now, I guess people are now more aware given COVID and people who are really finding themselves in, in crisis. It's not people with complex needs and mental health issues and addictions and those sorts of things. It's the everyday families that are really struggling now and not knowing where to find support. And anecdotally, you and I have both heard stories around, you know, families living in cars and the children getting up in the morning, going to school, mum and dad or or one or the other are going to work and they return home to their car to live at night. And this is something that we are trying to address. We are limited in local government, I guess, around what we can do to assist in this area. But I think it's a really important piece that council is visible in advocacy, but also in action. And I think some of the things that we've, you know, developed over the last couple of years have been exceptionally progressive and, you know, are things that I'm really proud to have been associated with. What's happening in your Newcastle? Subscribe to our mailing list at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. With COVID, what are some of the initiatives that you've seen that have worked and that can show us a way forward, do you think? Well, I think everybody who's been doing the face-to-face service have been forced to shift and we, we haven't been able to do that. So Hunter Homeless Connect, for example, the annual event has been primarily what we've done over the last 10 yeah. years alone, but we have had to broaden our services. We started to do that just before COVID hit, but the fact that we weren't able to hold the Hunter Homeless Connect Day event because of the pandemic we were forced then to look at how else can we connect people who need support in the community and that, I guess, collaboration. Uh, Council, the City of Newcastle were actually, we were fortunate to receive some funding at the beginning of last year or just, I guess, halfway through the year with after COVID set upon us and we were able to get our community directory online, which has been a huge demand for it. And not only with people who are looking for support, but the services who are providing it are really finding it valuable as well. So I guess with my community directory, I think we need to let people know that it exists. Yeah. That, you know, it was initially a directory that was just given out on Hunter Homes Connect Day. But what we're finding now is that the variety of services that are in there we actually can't keep up with production of those and the distribution for not-for-profit organisations mm. in schools, in libraries, in everywhere we can think of. There's places reaching out to us that we never even imagined would, would yeah. need them, but also led to the development of our tile, Yep, which has been very successful. Yeah, so that's a mobile app a version of the directory where people can access the directory via their mobile phone just by scanning a QR code and we all know what they are these days so <laughs> pretty familiar with that but you know not everybody in crisis or, or you know who are experiencing homelessness have the capacity for digital access but so this is why we you know, we do print the directories in hard copy but also there it's available to people who do maybe have a mobile phone 
And I think also worth mentioning that the 2021 Lord Mayor's Prayer Breakfast, Hunter Homeless Connect received, was the beneficiary of that and received $15,000 and was able to continue outreach work. Can you talk about some of the things that we've been able to do in the community, I know, around food security and and those Mm. kind of things with that money? Yeah, well, there there have been several uh, rapid response uh, funding given out on top of the Lord Mayor's Prayer Breakfast funding as well. So, of course, every opportunity we get with funding, we print more batches of the directory and they go as soon as we get them. So that's a constant battle. But we also employ a part-time coordinator who facilitates our Connecting the Hunter program, which is basically a pay-it-forward system where we work with local um, organisations, for example, local IGAs or hairdressers or cafes. We have donation tap points in those facilities. The funds also are used for purchasing food vouchers that we then deliver to services who give them to people that are coming to see them for support. So the money that we received, in, you know, particularly from the Lord Mayor's Prayer Breakfast, has gone, a large proportion of that has gone towards keeping our coordinator on board. Otherwise, we would not know, you know, her, her contract is due to run out yeah. because the funding is. Yeah. So I guess the other side of this story is also around affordable housing and, and what it means and how local government plays a really pivotal role, I see, in, in helping with that. I think... In my time at council, what I've seen is, and what I've tried to help with, is the change in perception around what affordable housing is and, yeah. and how that meets the needs of some of these people that are, are having, you know, difficulties in life. What can you tell us about affordable housing and the benefits that we can bring to a community by facilitating more affordable housing in the city? Well, f- affordable housing, I guess, is is one piece of the puzzle. Social housing is another you know affordable housing you know it, it speaks for itself it's, it's housing that people can afford but i don't not sure that's the case these days yes. i mean it really is an issue of people being able to the average person being able to afford what what's called affordable housing from my experience over the last few years i see uh, affordable housing is being pursued by the city in collaboration with private providers yep. but also with state government and other government agencies and what people what I would love people to understand is that what affordable housing is and who it provides for you know it is imperative in our community that we have paramedics nurses doctors clergy teachers and this is the kind of you know firefighters this is the people that we need living in our area are completely being pushed out of, of the private market and by providing these incentives for developers to provide this housing, we're mm. able to assist in a small way to making sure that we we have a like a diverse and functioning community, I think. Absolutely. And, and you know, I work for Compass Housing and I guess community housing providers also play yeah. a significant role in that. So in the, in the last couple of years, the team at Compass have delivered 493 affordable housing properties. Since we locked down in March... We've delivered 485 of those, and also that's a huge feat given yeah. the challenging environment. But it's you know something that we strived to really make made sure that it happened. And also, you know, there are other projects where we collaborated with the city of Newcastle on the Building Better Cities program yeah. and provided more affordable housing. So those sorts of projects we'd love to see more of. Your Newcastle, your podcast. Got feedback or suggestions for us? Connect via the podcast link at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. Further to that, I guess there's two 
recent developments that I'm really excited about. The City of Newcastle has signed an MOU with the New South Wales Government with Land and Housing Corporation. And what we're hoping to do is really work with them to identify priority areas, you know, buildings and land that may or may not already be under ownership to increase social housing development. We all know that the issues around social housing and spending on that infrastructure doesn't happen. It certainly doesn't happen at the rate at which it needs to happen. Uh, as we said before, there's, you know, sometimes between a five and 10 year wait mm. for, for social housing. On top of that, we have just recently adopted our housing policy at the City of Newcastle and part of that is our affordable housing contribution scheme and what it will see is that around 15 up to 15% of new dwellings will be mandated as affordable housing in in our growth corridors and I think as I said to you before often we get told that local government has no role to play I think it's really important that we are you know innovative and forward thinking and I want to be part of a council that is very innovative with these projects. Do you think that providing these little levers is, is a way forward? Absolutely. I think that's fantastic news that MOU has been established. And look, what's happening now in the community and particularly with the City of Newcastle, you know, the conversation series that are, are being held, the couple of forums, there was one held earlier this year, Lake Macquarie have also held one and there's another one coming up this month. And opening that conversation up with community is so important and listening and having that feedback from the front line as to what's really happening and the collaboration going forward and, and understanding the needs and how we can work together to, to make sure that we get some of these things across the line. And like I said, I think it's a, a really progressive, high-reaching policy and as well as the MOU, and I'm really pretty excited to see what happens. Obviously, that the detail will come, but that initial conversation that council can, can help, there yeah. are minimal levers that we can pull, but we are really trying to assist in any way we can. Discovering your Newcastle is easy. Download the City of Newcastle app to keep up to date with what's happening in your city. I think if there's any doubt in people's minds that a housing first model mm. is the way forward for people at risk or experiencing yep. homelessness, can you just elaborate for us about what happened during the pandemic and, and you know, the mm. schemes that came forward that basically prove that yep. by providing a home first for someone, it can be the big step forward for them. Absolutely. So COVID hit and unfortunately it took a global pandemic for I guess the state government to to to, to get into action and 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 look at people who are sleeping on the streets and understand how how could we get them off the street and into ultimately permanent accommodation that doesn't necessarily happen immediately but so um, the funding that that came out of that um, very quickly, I might add, and was distributed to community housing providers um, in the region to work on a, a, t a project called Together Home, where basically people were, we were tasked with uh, finding leaseholds. And then I guess we were tasked with delivering packages, I would say, of support, accommodation with support. So wraparound support for people with complex needs. Obviously, people who are sleeping rough might not necessarily have complex needs, but a lot of them would. Simply putting somebody in accommodation without any support is, isn't a viable situation. So Compass has been working on, on that project for the last 18 months and we've delivered all of the packages um, in, in, in record time. The, the big challenges there are finding the accommodation. And I think now what we're finding is the big challenge being that when you turn that off, 
what's going to happen. Exactly. And that's the question. We, we need to be part of that conversation. It's often these people that were put into this accommodation had first of all not ever had secure accommodation certainly hadn't had the wraparound support that you are talking about and some of the outcomes there might be that they were able to put together a resume and apply for a job and everything that comes with having a fixed address for a period of time what do you see as the danger going forward now that that tap has somewhat been turned off firstly we need accommodation to put people into you know initially I guess this is a more of a transition situation but what we're focusing on at Compass now is is actually making sure that the people in these leaseholds are now transitioning into more permanent accommodation but that takes time obviously with support and ongoing support as well so we've been partnering with other providers to provide that support as well but you know some amazing stories are coming out of this particular program plenty to tell and you know with for an example, one of the stories that one of the team has sent through to me this week, we had a father and a daughter, uh, an adult daughter, both identifying as Aboriginal. Had, they'd been living together in a tent with no electricity or running water for nine months prior to their referral to the Together Home Project. And um, the, fa- the, the dad had intellectual disability and his daughter was very reliant on, on him with their day-to-day living. And from acceptance into that program, they've been actively engaging with their supports um, they were successful in a long-term compass property and most of their belongings had become damaged while living in the tent. Supports were able to assist with organising new furniture for the home and they're both extremely happy to have this opportunity and a fresh start. There are multiple stories like this. Yeah, we've heard lots of yeah. stories like that, haven't we? And they're, not all, they're not all simple and, no. and easy, obviously. And many have ongoing challenges in maintaining their tenancies and you know, that support is key. So I think moving forward, with the MOU, with land and housing and with the affordable housing contribution scheme, I think, I hope that it's obvious to people that the City of Newcastle, housing is a priority, you know, a range of tenancies to deliver for everyone in the city. I think it's imperative that we are able to advocate and bring the community along with us as well, you know, do away with the stigma that surrounds housing, homelessness, social housing, affordable housing and everything that goes with it because I'm really very much, as you are, I think, of the opinion that housing is a right, not a privilege. Absolutely. And I think that anything we can do here at the city is, is it's on us to do that. We want a diverse community. We want people to be able to come and live here. We want our children to be able to, to live here and, and provide for their families here. And I think anything that the city of Newcastle can do moving forward is, is something that I'm really excited to be part of. So Yeah, and I, look, I, in my, I guess, my current role at Compass and, and, and especially with Hunter Homeless Connect, um, the City of Newcastle and the other local government organisations and d- different LGAs have been very supportive and accessible. And I think probably breaking down that stigma of, of, of what local government can do as opposed to state and federal and it's that collaboration it's multi-layered and and we all do have to work together but having the average joe understand what local government is capable of in terms of you know the issues we've just been talking about and um the responsibilities of state in terms of funding and federal so it's a complex issue i don't understand it all myself but you know the more conversations we have like the forums that you're holding and those kinds of things it it opens that up and 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 creates a greater understanding i think that's about all for us today and Mm -hmm. thank you for joining me and having this conversation and and you know making more people aware of what it is that we're doing and what we're trying to achieve and why we're trying to achieve it 
and hopefully we'll have some more good stories to come after this. That's your Newcastle. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us wherever you listen. 